Hello, my lovelies. I'm Amanda. I'm Michaela. And this is Crime in the Dark. Hi, guys. We are back. Back again. Uh, 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 you can't uh, t- see, but we're dancing like crazy. Oh, yeah. Okay, that's probably annoying for you guys. Sorry. <laughs> what, so this is a Michaela episode, and what are we doing, Michaela? We are doing the Lizzie Borden house. Nice. Okay, I oh, love yeah. this one. We we're. I just had a client today, who her and her mom. Shout out to Amanda and Debbie. Um, they were there when Amanda was pregnant with her daughter. I love it. And they had some cool little stories about it, so. I'm yeah. hoping to go visit in October. Ugh, God. Fingers crossed. So envious, but yeah. Mm. Okay. So Tell me more. Let's start with the most uh, well-known little rhyme. Mm-hmm. Lizzie Bourne took an axe and gave her mother 40 wax. When she saw what she'd done, she gave her father 41. Ooh. Ooh. Dang. <laughs> so the Lizzie Borden House is one of America's greatest unsolved murder mysteries. That took place in August, took place on August 4th, 1892. I was going to say, yeah. I was like, wait, I, <laughs> I wrote, well, technically I wrote it wrong. Yeah. And so I was like, wait. You wrote it wrong, you wrote it wrong. It's fine. Get good, scrub. No, I'm kidding. Right. I love you. <laughs> We're recording at like 7 o'clock at night and we've already recorded like numerous episodes for you guys. Day. It's good. It's good. We're good. Uh, the Lizzie Borden House uh, means many things to many people. For a historic gem, the most haunted house in the United States. So, I. That's what I've heard, but then I've heard also the Winchester House, so I don't know. I don't They're know. pretty pretty equal. Yep. Today, the property remains open daily from 10 a.m. to midnight, operating as an inn and breakfast, <laughs> as with the museum featuring a variety of tours and experiences throughout the day and evening, including a historic house tours, ghost tours, and ghost hunts. I want to go ghost hunting. That would be cool. Honestly, the Winchester house does the same thing. Yeah. Except they just don't have uh, the inn part. Yeah, you can't stay. You but can't stay there. I wish I would do that. I know. Oh, my God. That's like literally a couple hours from us. Mm-hmm. Um, each experience is uh, uniquely special and appears to be an historian, true crime fanatic, and ghost hunter in all of us. Appeals to us all. Yes. <laughs> now, let's get into the history part of it and what happened at this infamous house. On August 4th, 1892, Andrew and Abby Borden um, were found hacked to death in the Fall River, Massachusetts home. Andrew was discovered in a pool of blood on the living room couch, his face nearly split in two. Oof. Abby was upstairs, her head smashed to pieces. It was later determined that she was the first one killed. That, if you don't have a headache from that, I don't know what will give you a headache. Right? Uh, uh, that was dumb. <laughs> like, hey, I already stated we've been working late. <laughs> we've been doing a lot today. Oh my gosh, anyways. Suspicion soon fell on one of the Borden's two daughters, Lizzie, aged 32 and single, who lived in her wealthy father lived with her wealthy father and stepmother 
and was the only other person besides the maid, Bridget Sullivan, who was home when the bodies were found. Lizzie Bourne was arrested and charged with double homicide, a result of the crime's sensual nature. Uh, Her trial attracted national attention. My whole thing is, how do you get national attention in the 1800s? I mean... That's an interesting one to get. That is. That is, because there wasn't... Television. You didn't have television back then. I mean, just, we're just, it was so gruesome. We're just spread from newspaper to newspaper. Yeah, that's that's Town to town. That's intense to get that, though. Right? Well, they were probably at that point, like, what time, what year was this? This was Um, uh, late 1800s? 1892. Yeah, so this was roughly around the time of H.H. Holmes. I mean, he started his endeavor, I think, in 1894 he got... Mm-hmm. licensed with medical and started his bullshit before that he was doing it but they were having the world event in chicago remember so yeah. same kind of thing like yeah i feel like at that point we were at that turning point of we were trying to get connected to the rest of the world the rest of the world or just the rest of the united states more you know like we we're trying to figure out what the hell was actually happening everywhere Lizzie Andrew Bourne was born on July 19th, 1860. Her mother died when Lizzie was young, and her father, who became a bank president and successful businessman, later married Abby Gray, who helped raise Lizzie and her sister Emma. The sisters reportedly despised their stepmother and, as adults, argued with their father over money matters. Lizzie claimed uh, she was the in the barn at the time of the murders and entered the house later in the morning to find her father dead in the living room. The evidence that the prosecution presented against Borden was circumstantial. It was alleged that she tried to buy poison the day before the murders and that she burned one of her dresses several days after. And although fingerprint testing had not become a common place in Europe, was becoming common in Europe, but was not um, at the time mm-hmm. here. Uh, the following police was uh, wary of the reliability and refused to test prints on the potential murder weapon, a hatchet, found in the Borden's basement. The fact that no blood was found on Lizzie... Uh, coupled with her well-bred Christian persona, convinced all the all-male jury that she was incapable of this gruesome crime, and they quickly acquired uh, acquitted her. That's crazy, right? That's super crazy. They're just like, all right, whatever. I'm like, girl, you are definitely guilty. Definitely I- guilty all the way. Guilty. Uh, Oh, I go into, I have an entire, like, fact sheet afterwards of what could possibly have happened. Mm -hmm. Lizzie, who inherited a substantial sum after her father died, moved from the murder site into a different home where she lived until her death of June 1st, 1927. Now, I got some interesting facts that can either, you know, point the finger at Lizzie or someone else in Fall River. Mm -hmm. One being, the gruesome murders shocked the community, but many in Fall River were perhaps not entirely surprised that Andrew Borden had met his untimely end. With net worth of almost $10 million in today's money. 
Jesus. Mm-hmm. That's insane. Borden, that super insane. Yep. Borden was one of the wealthiest and most unpopular men in town. Oh, I bet. Not even popular. Unpopular. Yeah. But he's got that money. Hell yeah. <laughs> Frugal to all fall, he was a self-made man who had become the head of one of the town's largest banks and substantial property owners. The businessman had also made many enemies on the rise to the top, and rumor uh, swirled that Andrew and Abby had perhaps been killed as a revenge for Andrew's shady business deals. Huh. Yep, so that's one theory that people had. Yeah, but, okay, so why would How she... How did the hatchet okay. end up in the basement? And, and why did she burn her dress days later? Unless, this, unless she was worried and touched the body, and she yeah, went. and she was like, "They're automatically gonna think it's me, and yeah. I'm a woman," and yeah. But I mean, like, but then an all male jury on, acquitted sis. her, anyways. That's us. Yeah. Uh, two. The initial investigation focused outside of the immediate family and included local businessmen, neighbors, and even the family maid, an Irish immigrant named uh, Bridget's. Uh, Sullivan. Uh-huh. Police soon realized that Andrew's daughter, Lizzie, had as much to gain as anyone by the death of her father. $10 million in today's money's worth. That's crazy. Because with Abby gone, it ain't gone to her. No. And no. if anything, she's getting to have to split it with her sister and, like, she gets... Yeah. Andrew's uh, tight-fistedness um, extended to his own family... Despite his wealth, the Borden's home lacked even the most basic of conveniences, including indoor plumbing. Andrews remarried to Abby Gray after the death of his first wife had soured his relationship with Izzy and Emma. The women, already in their 30s, had considered... Hold on. The woman already in her 30s and considered a spinster by society uh-huh. grew increasingly frustrated and resentful. Lizzie, in particularly often exhibiting signs of mental uh, instability, Lizzie's actions in the days after the murder also raised an eyebrow. She gave contradictory answers to questions and burned the dress she also claimed had been stained while doing housework. (laughs) So it wasn't even blood. It was stained from housework. But did she do housework? Was that a thing that she often did? Or because weren't they like rich? They they had the maid. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. Again... $10 $10 million worth of money, why would she be doing housework? Which police considered the destruction of evidence. On April 11th, Lizzie was arrested for the murders. Damn. So, there, there's that part that kind of goes into, well, could have been her. Yeah. There was no physical evidence linking her to the murders. A hatchet had been discovered in the basement of the Borden home, but the blade had been cleaned and the handle had been broken off by Lizzie, according to the police. That's according to the police, but what's the evidence? Mm -hmm. The police reluctance to use any sort of forensic testing also hammered the investigation. Fingerprint testing was then in the infant infancy and was never conducted as part of their inquiry. 
So they could have done it. Yeah. They could have. It was new, but they could have done it. Mm-hmm. They could have tried it out. Like, I would have been excited. We're like, this is new. Let's do it. Right. They did, however, establish that Lizzie had unsuccessfully attempted to purchase prosific, prosic acid, highly poisonous liquid, in the days before the murder. So she didn't even purchase it. Oh, shit. She didn't? No, they said uh, unsuccessfully attempted. Okay. So she didn't even get it. What the fuck? <laughs> well, that's why she used the hatchet. Yeah. Though the Obviously. investigation regarded this as evidence of an early a failed attempt to kill her parents, mm-hmm. they were unable to present it at trial. So they weren't able to present it at trial because it's not really part of it because yes. it was an unsuccessful attempt. Okay, so they're just like whatever. Like this isn't this isn't part of this murder. Yeah. Because the hatchet would be, but and any fingerprints on the hatchet would be. Yeah. But not the poison that was never purchased. <laughs> okay. That's what the logic comes in. I mean, it makes sense. It I makes guess, sense. But at the same time, you're like, come on. But come it shows. On. <laughs> at the same time, it shows motive. Yeah. It shows motive. If you purchase poison, if you attempt to purchase poison, it shows that you were. Yeah. Um. What's the word? Attempting or um. The motive was there to murder. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. The gruesome nature of the crimes, combined with the wealth of the Borden family, provide irresistible to the newspaper publisher. Mm-hmm. Uh, miles of ink were spilled as papers around the world printed hundreds of stories describing the deaths in lurid detail. Speculating on possible motives of even altering uh, alternative... Prosecutors. By the time the trial began in June 1893, Lizzie Borden had become a media sensation. So it was by newspaper. Yeah. Um, And the uh, proceedings themselves took the circus-like air. The prosecution faced with lack of forensic evidence trying Lizzie for the murders surmised that she had perhaps committed the crimes while while naked to avoid leaving behind physical clues. Wait, but the dress? Mm-hmm. Okay, whatever. Mm-hmm. Never mind. <laughs> oh, yep. my God. No, remember the dress was burned because of housework. That's what I'm saying, though. Like, I don't understand <laughs> what's happening here. Is it or isn't it? <laughs> like, What's going on? <laughs> they have no idea themselves. No, they do not. Hatchet riddled skulls of Andrew and Abby shocked those of the courtroom, uh, leading to a dramatic and perhaps well-timed swoon by Lizzie. In what turned out to be the key moment, Lizzie's defense team successfully pushed to have her contradictory testimony at the original inquest ruled inadmissible. Lizzie herself never took the stand, and the jury of 12 men deliberated for 90 minutes before returning to a verdict of not guilty. It's only 90 minutes. That's not bad. Not bad. That's not bad at all. And for them to say not guilty. Right? This one's one of my favorites. I mean, like, seriously, though. But I don't know. I know. I'm like, hmm... Hmm. <laughs> I know, there's so much contradictory in it that I'm like, it's... I just feel like you did it, girl. I'm not going to say you did, but I feel like you did it. Like, <sighs> And she got away with murder. Mm-hmm. 
My favorite is this one. Children who learn the chant by believing that it took 40 blows to kill the Abbey Borden and another 41 to kill Andrew. Well, that's not quite true. The coroner did confirm that Abby was the first one to be killed, but by 19 blows, not oh. by 40. Andrew Borden received even fewer blows, about 10 to 11. Huh. To finish him off, even with a quite gruesome forced mainly on the head and complete this, uh, destroying much of his face. Now, I want to know, even with 10 to 11... With enough force behind it, even for a woman, can you split a man's skull in half? I mean, I imagine. If Definitely could kill him. Yeah. But can you split him in half? I mean. Because then that's where it's like, no, that's where it comes into play. Could it have been Lizzie? Yeah. If it's with a hatchet. So. 11 times in the face. So this here is. Well, it's going to be a little blurry, but yeah. that's the photo taken yeah. from... This is the unblurry one. Yeah. Um, It looks like it was a side of his head. Yeah. That was struck, more or less. So I'm wondering if it was, like, this kind of impact, which there's points. So yeah. I imagine what is split yeah. back then? What did they consider? Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Was it completely down through the whole thing, or was it just to the mm-hmm. skull, or what? So I don't know. I imagine with enough aggression, anybody has enough strength. I can split a thing of wood. This so very true. I mean... But then again, we're talking 1800s, almost 1900s. Yeah. So it's the varying of back then to nowadays. That's true. That's and true. so that's where my brain goes. Yeah. No, I get that for sure. Would she have had the strength to split her father's head in two with 10 to 11 blows with a hatchet? Not even an axe. A no, hatchet. Yeah, yeah. No, I get that. Yeah. So... I don't know. I don't know. That's a hard one. Mm-hmm. So that's where that logic comes in. Mm-hmm. Even though everyone will say that it was her, but it's like, hmm. Where, was it though? Was it? Yeah. Or wasn't it? That is a hard one. Mm-hmm. I mean, with that being said, it can definitely seem like Putting it the wasn't. logic in that perspective mm-hmm. is hard to say. But then again, you never know. It could have been her. Exactly. So it turns out that the nursery rhyme outstates uh, by half of the total wax to complete the job. In another inaccuracy, no axe was ever found. It was actually a hatchet presented um, by the prosecution at trial to be the true murder weapon. But hatchet and wax don't simply rhyme. (laughs) Ah, I love it. That's true. That's very true. Despite her newfound uh, notoriety, her and her, uh, her neighbors whispered about her likely guilt. Lizzie remained in Fall River for the rest of her life. So she didn't live in the house, but she lived in Fall River. So she yeah. never left. Um, she and Emma inherited their father's estate, gaining the financial freedom that they had long craved. Lizzie bought a large house in one of the city's most fashionable um uh, neighborhoods and spent her time traveling Boston and New York to um, indulge in her love of theater. Just five years after the murder, Lizzie was briefly in the headlines again when she was accused uh, but never tried for shoplifting. Shoplifting. Huh. Yeah. Is that because they, like, didn't have access to the money or whatever, so they needed to, or what? 
Um, I didn't really fully look into that. So I'm wondering if it was... They didn't have evidence because they don't have the video mm-hmm. surveillance like they do now. Yeah. To prove that she shoplifted. Uh, and maybe. In 1905, she uh, the sisters became estranged over Lizzie's relationship with an actress, Nancy O'Neill, when Emma alleged uh, allegedly disapproved of. So she had relations with a woman, which wasn't very... No, that wasn't um, okay. That was Emma, right? Uh, no, that was Lizzie. Oh. Lizzie okay. did. All right, Lizzie. Um, that wasn't very... Um, it was frowned upon back then. Mm-hmm. And I did research to even... To find out if it was, like, friendship-wise and she just didn't like the actress or if it was relations. No, it was relations. And I was All like... Right. Uh, oh, okay. Hey, didn't see that coming, but to okay. To each her own, for sure. Well, Emma obviously disapproved, and that's when they became estranged. They rarely spoke in their later years, but died within days of each other in June of 1927. Wow. Mm -hmm. Both were buried beside their murdered parents in the family plot of Oak Oak Grove Cemetery. Wow. Mm -hmm. I didn't know that part about the cemetery. Yeah. That's crazy. It's like, it's okay, you'll be buried with well, your I mean, murdered parents. Right? I'm like, ooh. She was acquitted, so there's no reason, yeah, but, but still. A, okay, all right, all right, I'm just saying, um, if, if if it all looks like you did it, I feel like it all looks like you did it. Right? <laughs> all signs point This to, one yes. is interesting. In March of 2012, the boarding case was back in the hand headlines when researchers of the Fall River Historic Society announced the discovery of it. Handwritten journals of Andrew Jennings, Lizzie's mm-hmm. defense attorney. The journals had contained newspaper clippings as well as interview notes Jennings made during the pretrial preparation, may lead to new insight into the crime. Uh, the extremely fragile material is currently being preserved. By the museum before its contents are made available to the public. So there might be new evidence coming out to show if Lizzie or someone else actually murdered her family. Holy shit. Dude, that's crazy. That like was the- back in 2012. So that was 10 years ago. Ugh. That I was 10 waiting. years ago. I but waiting. I don't like waiting. Don't make me wait. Yep. But that. we'll have some pictures up of the Borden house for you. And, and so, you know, tell us what you think. Was yeah. it Lizzie or was it someone else? Right? Let us know. Go to our Instagram. Get in the comments. Um, mm-hmm. Let's have a discussion about it, guys. Yeah. A friendly discussion. Yeah. <laughs> friendly. Friendly. Um, I want to know what your opinion is. Because. Yeah. You never, because like I said, there's facts out there that show that, you know, it could have been her and, you know, she's really suspicious. It could, it likely could have been her. Suspicious. Don't be suspicious. Don't be suspicious. (laughs) Seriously. All right, guys. We love you lots. And, you know, check us out on all your podcast stuff. Our Etsy, Crime in the Dark. Send us our emails. Give us some emails, you guys. Listener tells, um, recommendations. The more listener tells we get, the more um, we can put together for an episode or two. We want to get it going. So please send them in. We already have some um, stockpiled from you guys. Well, not really stockpiled, but it's a little baby pile, and we want to get some more. So send Mm -hmm. that to beautyandcrime22 at gmail.com. 
And yeah. yeah. <laughs> and that's all we got for you today. Yeah. We'll see you next time. Keep it spooky. Bye, babes. <laughs>